<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SubChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup of news and a selection of full stories, plus conversations with reporters and editors from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. And I'm Ada Shen in Beijing. First, our weekly review of business stories from Caixin and beyond. In business, Alibaba regained the crown as the most valuable company in China this week as rosy growth forecasts gave its stock price its biggest boost in over a year. Management projected that revenues will expand by 45% to 49% this year, a target that beats analyst expectations by 10%. Alibaba now has an equity value of over $355 billion after the bullish expectations boosted the company's stock by 13% last week. Alibaba now narrowly leads Tencent, its Shenzhen-based rival in several business areas, which has a value of $343 billion. In the finance world, China is stepping up supervision of the use of bank cards overseas, a move the foreign exchange regulator says is needed to fight money laundering, terrorist financing, and tax evasion. Starting in September, banks will be required to submit daily reports on all cash withdrawals made via overseas ATMs, and spending of more than 1,000 yuan, $147 U.S. dollars, made abroad with domestically issued bank cards. The government said that the new rules are aimed at combating illegal activity and do not represent a change to current foreign exchange policies, seeking to address concerns that the move is part of its campaign to curb capital outflows. The U.S. securities regulator said it will need extra time to review a landmark purchase of the Chicago Stock Exchange by a Chinese buyer, as observers said concerns about oversight and financing of the deal could be behind the delays. Chongqing Kaysen Enterprise Group first announced the deal in February 2016 in what would be the first ever purchase of a U.S. stock exchange by a Chinese company. Politicians raised concerns at the time about the buyer's origins, but the Washington agency in charge of reviewing deals for national security considerations ultimately approved the sale in December. The Securities and Exchange Commission was supposed to give its own decision on the deal by a June 7th deadline, but said it has extended that date by two months. It has set a new date of August 9th as the deadline for its decision. The newly announced Xiong'an Economic Zone near Beijing will reflect the traditional philosophy of yin and yang, or a status of harmony with nature, making use of water and man-made hills according to a chief designer of the project. The central government in April revealed its plan to create the Xiong'an New Area, a zone that is being designed to better coordinate the development of the capital city with Hebei province and Tianjin in northern China. 
It is considered a milestone project comparable to the creation of the Shanghai Pudongnu area in East China and the Shenzhen Special Economic Zone in South China decades ago by the country's efforts to turn into an open and market-oriented economy. Thanks, Ada. Let's turn now to some of the editors and reporters at Caixin Global to talk about some more of the week's top stories. First up is Doug Young in Beijing. Doug, AI is in the news again, and uh, what more relevant intellectual challenge for deep learning systems than the thing that's been the singular focus of parents in China this week, the Gaokao, or college entrance exam. So, Doug, a robot is taking this uh, grueling exam, the college entrance exam? Right. Well, this week was the annual Gaokao in China, and people in China all know this is a huge deal. It's all over the headlines every year when it happens, and this is the national entrance examination for colleges. It used to be that everybody going to college, anyone who wanted to go to college, this was the only way into college. And it's just one test over two, sometimes three days. So if you screw up on those two or three days, you know, that could really change the outcome of your life. So it's considered a very big deal. And every year, the graduating high school kids, you know, everyone gets all nervous and people rent hotel rooms to be close to the test centers so they won't have to, you know, risk getting into a traffic jam on the way to the test center and there's all sorts of screening to make sure, you know, I read one year they made like a no drone zone or something like that for one of these test centers because they thought people were going to like send drones in and I don't know how they were going to get them answers or whatever. But yeah, it's a huge deal every year. And so the story this year, which was really sort of a cute story, was that some scientists at Tsinghua University, which is China's big science school, invented a robot that was going to take just the math portion of the exam. So that was the story. And if you looked a little closer, there were some funny details. This was in the city of Chengdu. But apparently this robot wasn't even like a robot. It was just five or six computer servers all hooked up together. And it was going to be in a conference room on a table somewhere. That's not that unusual. And it was going to take the math portion of the test. And the funny thing was that apparently the goal for this computer was only a score of 110. And the highest score you can get is 150. So it's not exactly a uh, rocket scientist score, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. So how did it do? So it doesn't look like this computer, which is called AI Maths, not a very creative name, AI being artificial intelligence and, and maths for the math test, just barely managed to do the tests in the allotted time and didn't really get a very impressive score. It got 105 points on one of the two math tests and 100 on the other. And those would both be for tests where the top score was 150. But we have to say that the goal by the robot's developers was just 110. So it didn't even meet the goal of the developers. So it looks like this Tsinghua robot is not going to actually go to Tsinghua. Probably not going to be going to Tsinghua. Might not even be going to university with scores like that. So why did they roll this out when it's likely to be so unimpressive as opposed to, say, you know, Google waiting to roll out AlphaGo until it was really very much ready for prime time. The bigger picture is that AI, artificial intelligence, is all the rage right now, and everybody wants to sort of get in on the AI thing. So so in the case with AlphaGo, which is was developed by Google, or it's, it's a unit that's owned of Google, 
that computer was probably years in the making, and it was actually being developed by the separate company that was ultimately acquired by Google. So this was probably being developed before Google even knew what it was. And I think this computer and its designers had to spend many years perfecting the computer's game until it was up to that kind of level where it could beat world champions. And, and so in this case, with the Gaokao computer, I think maybe in a year or two, this computer will be up to the level where it can take on the national math champions, but probably it's not there yet. And, and maybe it needs another year or two to perfect its game. Thanks, Doug. Good talking to you as always. More economic data is out this week, so let's turn to Fran Wong, who writes for Citation Global on macroeconomics. So we got some trade and investment data in for last month. Let's start with trade. The Customs Authority of China published figures for China's exports and imports last month. And the data showed that the country's exports and imports both grew at a faster pace than expected. Exports were mainly supported by solid foreign demand, especially from the United States and the European Union. And experts said that the strong performance of imports were mainly led by demand from exporters to produce goods for their foreign clients. And, and how about inflation? China's National Bureau of Statistics released CPI, Consumer Price Index, and PPI, Producer Price Index, for May. Although CPI increased at the fastest pace in four months, PPI continued to decline for the third straight month, uh, which is kind of worrying because it reflects sluggish demand in the country and could drag on global recovery because China's appetite for energy and natural resources affects suppliers across the world. So do these solid CPI numbers offset concerns about China's economy? I think it's too early to say that because although CPI continued to improve, the actual inflation is still mild because the 1.5 gain in CPI in May remains well below the government's annual target of 3%. So Fran, what's the takeaway message from this month's economic data? The May activity data released so far reinforced signs that growth momentum in the world's second largest economy is slowing. And MBS is going to release other figures for investments, consumption and industrial outputs this week. And we can wait and see more evidence from those figures. Hey, thanks, Fran. And now for our selection of important stories from Caixin Global for the week. We'll hear how China's Belt and Road Initiative may help boost the renminbi as a settlement currency in Asia. We'll tell you how Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe is now expressing support, albeit conditional support, for the Belt and Road Initiative. We'll look into Shinzo's new rules that would impose fines on people who don't sort their garbage. And we'll find out how China's internet regulators are clamping down on the social media accounts of online paparazzi. From economy, big room to boost yuan's usage among Belt and Road nations, central bank officials say, by Peng Qinqin and Fran Wang. Beijing. The use of the yuan could be greatly boosted in countries involved in the Belt and Road program, a deputy governor of China's central bank said, as Beijing presses ahead with its ambitious plans to enhance the international clout of the Chinese currency. The yuan is the most natural choice for participants in the Belt and Road Initiative, In Yung said at an investment forum on Tuesday. 
While China is the biggest trading nation, the yuan's use in the world market is limited. Currently, only 14% of all cross-border trade in goods with countries in the Belt and Road Initiative was settled in yuan terms. That is much lower than the 25% share of receipts and payments using the currency, also known as the renminbi, in China's total global goods trade, he said. Therefore, there is a big room to increase the use of the yuan in partner countries, he added. China is keen on strengthening the yuan's role as an international reserve currency and hopes the Belt and Road Initiative, which typically features state-owned Chinese banks granting massive loans for infrastructure projects contracted by Chinese firms in participating nations, to be a catalyst for this. The push to fund the projects in yuan terms comes as Beijing is seen by analysts as fine-tuning its so-called yuan internationalization strategy by shifting the focus from expanding the currency's use in trade settlements to carrying out more yuan-based financing and investment overseas. Cross-border yuan settlements fell 19% year-on-year in 2016, according to Financial Services Cooperative, the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication, after the currency continued to depreciate the past two years. Belt and road countries need China's cash, as well as its products and services, which could boost their acceptance of the yuan because paying for the purchases using the yuan saves the costs of currency exchange, Yin said in a previous interview with Caixin. So far, 21 belt and road countries, or about a third of all participants in the initiative, have signed currency swap deals with China, and yuan clearinghouses have been established in six nations, he said Tuesday. Last month, President Xi Jinping announced massive new financing plans for Belt and Road projects, including a combined 380 billion yuan, $55.9 billion, in specialized loans to be extended by two Chinese policy lenders with a cash injection of 100 billion yuan into the state-owned Silk Road Fund, which is tasked with investing in infrastructure, resources, industrial capacity cooperation, and financial projects in relevant countries. He also said the government will support financial institutions to conduct overseas yuan fund businesses, which include yuan-denominated lending and equity investment, with the overall scale estimated to reach 300 billion yuan. Yin said in the earlier interview that such arrangements, where the yuan's use will be encouraged, will, quote, reduce the reliance on currencies like the U.S. dollar and beef up confidence in the Chinese currency and enhance its attractiveness, helping to develop a yuan-denominated capital market and lower risks linked to foreign exchange rate volatilities, unquote. All these could help maintain stability in the foreign exchange and financial markets, he added. From Economy, Japan's Abe signals support for China's Belt and Road Initiative by Chen Lixiong and Fran Wang. Tokyo, Japan's Prime Minister Shinzo Abe signaled that Tokyo will participate in China's Belt and Road Trade and Investment Initiative in an overture seen as an attempt to improve bilateral ties, Japanese media said. He wants certain needs met, however. The Chinese plan has the potential to connect East and West, and Japan is ready to extend cooperation on the project, Abe said in a speech given at an international conference Monday, the Nikkei Asian Review reported. It is the first time that the Japanese leader has offered support for the signature program of Chinese President Xi Jinping. Tokyo's relations with Beijing have frayed over issues ranging from Japan's wartime history to disputed islands in the East China Sea. She proposed the initiative, also known as One Belt, One Road, in 2013 to try to strengthen China's relations with countries in Asia, Africa, and Europe, 
primarily through infrastructure investment and construction. The plan includes an overland Silk Road economic belt that connects China with Europe through Central Asia and an ocean-based 21st century maritime Silk Road that links countries to the south of China and leads all the way to Africa and Southern Europe. Wary of China's rising influence in the region, Japan has been cautious about lending its backing to such international drives led by its neighbor. Japan and its ally, the United States, are the only group of seven developed countries that have yet to join the Beijing-backed Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, AIIB. Nonetheless, Abe's endorsement of the Belt and Road Initiative come with conditions. It's critical for infrastructure to be open to use by all and to be developed through procurement that is transparent and fair, he said, according to the Kyoto News Agency. I furthermore consider it essential for projects to be economically viable and to be financed by debt that can be repaid and not to harm the soundness of the debtor nation's finances. The softening stance followed Abe's remarks last month that he could be open to signing up with AIIB if questions surrounding the environmental impacts of its projects and other issues are resolved. Abe is seeking to warm ties with Beijing on concerns over a policy shift in Washington since President Donald Trump came into power and pulled the U.S. out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Pact, or TPP. Mending fences with Beijing is, in some sense, a wise insurance policy against getting lost in the shuffle, the report by Nikkei Asian Review said. Abe also hopes that better relations with Beijing could give Tokyo and its allies more leverage over North Korea, which has yet to cease its nuclear tests despite sanctions by the United Nations Security Council. North Korea relies on China for most of its trade, it added. From environment, Shenzhen becomes first Chinese city to raise stink over unsorted garbage by Li Rongde. Beijing. The southern tech hub of Shenzhen has become the first city in China to impose fines on businesses and individuals who fail to comply with garbage sorting rules. Individuals may be slapped with a 50 yuan fine each time they fail to separate kitchen waste from recyclable paper, glass, e-waste, or plastic, and businesses could be fined 1,000 yuan per violation, according to a document released Saturday by the city government. Property management companies could face 5,000 yuan in penalties for working with unlicensed companies to collect and transport waste, the government said. Shenzhen is covered under an ambitious national government program announced in March that aims to recycle by 2020 at least 35% of garbage produced in 46 major cities, including provincial capitals and municipalities such as Beijing. Sorting waste is an essential first step to effective recycling. Bigger cities in China have turned to burning garbage as they run out of space for landfills. The number of incineration plants across the country nearly doubled from 238 in 2010 to 514 in 2015, according to data from the National Development and Reform Commission, or NDRC, the country's top economic planning body. China's incineration capacity is expected to double again by 2020, with more plants in the pipeline. The country will be able to burn 54% of its garbage, up from 31% in 2015, according to the NDRC. The largest 246 cities in China, according to population size, generated 186 million tons of household waste in 2015, according to the Ministry of Environmental Protection. But nearly 90% of waste was left unsorted before it was transported to landfills or increasingly to incineration plants. Burning unsorted waste will take a toll on public health, according to a study by researchers at Renmin University in Beijing. The findings published in March showed illnesses linked to incinerating unsorted garbage in Beijing could end up costing the city nearly 28 billion yuan, 
$4.1 billion in medical insurance claims by 2020. From Regulation, Cyberspace Regulators in China's Capital Cracks Down on Celebrity Muckrakers by Li Rongde. Beijing. The Cyberspace Administration of Beijing has ordered internet companies to close dozens of social media accounts owned by paparazzi reporters and groups that report celebrity news, the latest clampdown affecting content creators and internet service providers. On Thursday, the city's cybersecurity watchdog met with representatives from internet firms with major operations in the Chinese capital and ordered them to take effective measures to clamp down on celebrity news deemed vulgar and ostentatious, state broadcaster China Central Television reported. Those summoned included executives from Cinecorp, the owner of the Twitter-like Weibo, search giant Baidu Inc., and Tencent Holdings Limited, which operates WeChat, the country's most popular messaging app. 60 individual accounts were ordered closed, although many were duplicates run by the same individual or group. The order was issued in accordance with the country's cybersecurity law, which took effect on June 1st. The law requires internet service providers to tighten scrutiny over content uploaded by users for possible violations of laws and government regulations, the authority said. The law prohibits individuals or groups from publishing defamatory content or engaging in any online activity that can infringe upon others' privacy, intellectual property rights, or other rights. Among the accounts taken down from Weibo and websites owned by Tencent and Baidu were several operated by Zuo Wei, the pen name of Han Bingjiang, who internet users have dubbed the number one paparazzi reporter in China. Han's account on Weibo had over 8 million followers before it was taken down on Thursday. A former journalist with the mainstream Beijing News, Han is known for several sensational exposés and breaking news on celebrities' extramarital affairs, romantic trysts, and breakups. These included a rekindled relationship in 2014 between singer and actress Fei Wong, a mainland diva, and Hong Kong heartthrob Nicholas Tse, 11 years after the pair's high-profile breakup. The city's cyberspace administration didn't say whether Han or other account holders would be punished. The order is the latest in a string of measures taken by the country's cybersecurity authority that targets internet service providers over online content that the authority deems inappropriate. In early May, the Cyberspace Administration of China, the state cybersecurity watchdog, ordered five major web portals operated by internet companies, including Tencent and Sina, to stop live streams of news feeds, saying it violated the country's 2005 news information service regulations. That's this week's show. Thanks for joining us. Drop me an email at kaiser at subchina.com with your feedback. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by SubChina and produced, recorded, and edited by Kaiser Guo with stories by the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin and Tanner Brown of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out the Seneca Podcast, the current affairs show I host with Jeremy Goldcorn, and follow the news from China daily at SubChina. Sign up for our free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care. <laughs>